Well, thank you as always to the worship team this morning. It's always amazing the songs they pick and how they strike us, right? Through every rise and every fall, God never leaves us, never forsakes his children. And I want to open this morning with, uh, with prayer, a little bit different. You know, we was talking to one of our longest standing members last week in the church, and she was just observing. She was saying, Boy, it's, it's amazing how God's Spirit is at work at this church. The baptisms, I think we're, we're well over 20 in the last couple of years. The people that God brings every Sunday to worship, the changed lives, it's amazing. And I look around and I see people hobbling around on, on walkers and rotator cuff surgeries and Kim's in the hospital with a bad heart. Uh, most of you saw the prayer request. My daughter was in ICU yesterday. She's stable today, but we don't know what is next, so I'll be headed up there tomorrow. But God never leaves us. It's an amazing thing. He never leaves us, never forsakes us, never leaves us without hope. His love is unfailing. So I just want to take the time to pray this morning for all of those who are struggling, who are in need, and who are hurting. So uh, if you'll pray with me. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for the opportunity to gather together. What a wonderful blessing you have given your people to call us in faith to your Son, to stand forgiven by his righteousness, by his death on the cross, and his wonderful sacrifice for us. But not to leave us empty, not to leave us alone, but to call us together so that we strengthen one another so that we can love one another, so we can pray for one another and serve one another. Lord, we know that you know our pains. We know that you know the weakness of the human body. You made us from dust and we'll return there even as we look forward to a glorious day when we will stand in the righteousness of our Lord in resurrection bodies where there will be no pain and disease and death anymore. Lord, we lift up Kim Dummermuth in particular. Father, we pray that you would strengthen the right side of his heart, that you would lead him in a path of healing. Father, we pray that you'd give the doctors wisdom, that you would give his family strength, that as they go through this ordeal, as they wait patiently, that they would experience your love, that they would experience the closeness of Jesus, that they would know in ways that many of us don't what it feels like for God to never leave his children. Lord, we're so grateful for Kim, for his strong faith, for the words that he speaks. Father, we're thankful for the joy that he expresses for his baptism. We're thankful that we get to celebrate that today and that it will remind us of the joy in Christ. Lord, we lift up Anna as well. We pray, Lord, that you will strengthen her kidneys, that she would recover, that she would be able to lead life. We're grateful that you have picked our time and our place, that you've given us access to medical care. And Lord, we pray for the doctors, that we might be a powerful witness to them as we visit those in need. And Father, we also lift up those who are here this morning or who couldn't be here this morning, who are suffering, who are struggling in the frailty of our humanity. Lord, that you would give them the peace and comfort and assurance that they, they walk in Christ, they live in Christ, that by his death, by his resurrection, that we live, and that we'll know his grace and his mercy and his love. Lord, we pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, 
We do get to open today, and you can tell by the way I'm dressed, with the honor and privilege of baptism. I don't know where this, this go- I'm going to sing to you now because I have music. Not really. I can tell from the laughter. Some of you know how I sing. But we get, to, we get to worship our Lord in a special way as a church through the ordinance of baptism. And you'll remember it was not long ago when we were in Acts chapter 2. Right? And we saw Peter proclaiming Jesus Christ in all his glory to the crowd. And the crowd cried out a simple question. What must we do to be saved? What must we do to be saved? And the answer Peter gave is the answer that's timeless. And it is so simple. Simply turn to Jesus. Turn away from sin and believe in him. Trust him. Know that he has paid the once-for-all price for our sin. Believe in him. And then he added something to that. What must come next? And he said, be baptized. And we know the end of that story. The Lord then added to the church that day 3,000 people who were baptized. There's nothing new about what Peter said. Jesus commanded the very same thing in the Great Commission, which we know very well. He tells us all, go therefore. And make disciples, right? Proclaim the saving gospel of Jesus and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Baptism is not separate from our identity in Christ. Baptism is part and parcel of becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ. There's a reason for that, I think. We're a visual people. We're an experiential people. And if you doubt that, watch the kids as I watched this morning. Because they walked into this church and they saw the hard work that so many of you have poured into decorating and they were blown away. But what did they immediately do? I was kind of laughing as I walked down the hallway. They immediately started to touch, right? So if those decorations last through Sunday morning, it's going to be amazing. But we are an experiential and visual people. God made us that way. So the imagery that he grants us in baptism, it's not only commanded, it's memorable. It is our memorable step when we go through baptism. We experience something physically that we otherwise we can't experience, and it gives us a visual picture of a spiritual reality in a person who is believed and trusted in Jesus Christ in salvation for salvation. Paul writes to the Romans, Romans chapter 6, and he paints the picture for us. He says, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. It's a symbol for us. We enter the water and we do that and we feel it and we we sort of mimic dying to our old self, being buried under the water as we're submerged. And then as we emerge from that water, we do that to replicate that newness of life that is given by Jesus Christ just as he was resurrected from the grave. It is a matter of obedience, for sure. It is a command in Scripture. But that obedience is nothing more than an expression of love for Jesus. But we know the words of Jesus. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments, right? Well, you'll do what I, what I say, and we won't do that perfectly. But we do follow Jesus in baptism. And we do it to express our love for him and our desire to follow him and to make public to the world our union with his body and our entrance into his church 
And to let the world know that we are saved by grace through, by, by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. He's our Lord. He's our Savior. He's our Master. So as we watch baptism, we think back to our own. Because being submerged under the water, it's truly an external sign of an internal reality. And that internal reality is that God has washed us clean. That by the blood of Jesus, he has washed us clean. He's done something that we couldn't do. And we stand in his righteousness. And our sins have been washed away forevermore. I'm very excited about this one in particular. Cody, as you know, is a police officer, so his schedule is hard. We have had this before, and today was the day that he could be baptized. And I'm excited because I've known Cody and Courtney since they first started coming in the doors of our church and got to spend so much time with them. And then through many hours of premarital counseling, and then I had the privilege of officiating their wedding. And now, after that, I've spent many hours with Cody, many, many hours, actually, and it's a wonderful thing. We don't often see someone, and we're privileged as a church, whenever we have a young person, express such a desire to serve Christ. And in his case, I, he said it was okay to mention this, a desire even to preach. He's the first guy who sent me a testimony that I had to send back to and say, this is a great sermon. I'm preaching on Sunday, not you, so you, you need to, to turn this back into your story. So I want to pray for Cody and Courtney real quickly. Then Cody's going to come out and give a testimony, maybe a sermon, and then we'll baptize and we'll continue to worship. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for the gift that you've given us, that gift being your son, that you sent him, that whoever believes in him should never perish but have eternal life. Lord, we know that that promise is true. We walk with the assurance that it is true. Lord, we're thankful that you have given us the ordinance of baptism, that we might have an experience that we can look back upon and remember that. Lord, we are thankful that we do this in the church, that you've given it to your church, and we pray that this is something that charges everybody up, that is in, gives us enthusiasm, because we pray that every one of the children that we're able to minister this week in VBS will follow. Jesus, that someday they too will be baptized and that they will join your church. So, Father, we are grateful for Cody and Courtney for their salvation. And, Lord, we're thankful that today is the day that they will be baptized. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Not necessarily here at Elgin, but... Check, check. From the top. <laughs> Not necessarily here at Elgin, but a Christian church nevertheless. Although growing up in a Christian home is a huge blessing, 
And I would not trade that for anything. It also can be a source of a false sense of assurance for your salvation. You can kind of think that you are saved simply because you grew up in a Christian home or you grew up in a Christian church. However, you don't have that deep understanding of what salvation really is. This is where I was. This false sense of assurance about your salvation can easily lead a child to stray away as soon as they leave their parents' home. And in today's age, for many children, this is at college. And this was at college for me as well, where I strayed away. Because I had that false sense of assurance about my salvation, I easily gave in to the promises of the world, those desires that everybody else is doing, that everybody else is taking part of, that they say is okay. And these desires look so appealing and nice on the onset, but really at the end, will leaving you up in despair and remorse. It wasn't until I was lovingly corrected shortly after college on my sin that I found hope. Proverbs 27.11 says, Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Furthermore, Colossians 3.16 states, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. Clearly in these verses we see that God encourages us to minister to one another and to call someone back and pull them off the path if they begin to stumble down the wrong path. This is love. This is what true love is. Jesus Christ in his earthly ministry constantly corrected his closest disciples, calling them back to the faith. And in my case, it was my pastor who fulfilled his obligation of a pastor and shepherded me back to the flock, who gave me that loving call back to the correct path, the correct way. Where Proverbs 22.6 shines through in me is that when I was corrected, I was not sat down and taught verse after verse, text after text, why what I was doing was wrong. Rather, it was, you know this is wrong. You were taught this. Turn from it. And at that moment, my world exploded and everything clicked. Because indeed, I did know this was wrong and I had been taught this. Even though I strayed, I did not depart from the teachings. It was at this moment that everything changed for me. How I think, how I view the world, and what I desire. My greatest desire now is to trust and follow Jesus Christ. I burn with a desire to serve the most holy of holies, the King of kings, kings and the Lord of lords. I desire to one day hear those famous words, well done, my good and faithful servant. The fact that I am proof positive that Proverbs 22.6 is true now gives me hope in starting my own family and beginning to raise my son. I remember clearly a few months before my son Tucker was born, I was at work thinking about my new endeavor about being a father. That night at work, I remember being completely shattered under the weight of coming to grips with what being a biblical father means and requires. The Bible is clear about the responsibility of parents, and particular in what the responsibility of fathers are. Fathers should be the spiritual leader and the one who teaches their children spiritually. This crushed me as I realized I myself am on a Christian journey, and some days I feel like I'm failing at it. How am I supposed to raise a son in the way? I know I'm not, I know I'm not alone in this feeling. Hearing from other parents and fathers in this church, this is a very common feeling. My trust rests in the fact that we are not authors of our child's salvation. The Bible teaches clearly that mankind has absolutely no part in salvation for themselves. This gives me hope that in the hard times or in the times where I feel like I might make a mistake as a parent, as I know those times are going to come as we are not perfect, or I feel like I didn't do or say enough in a particular incident, I can rest assured that God is the one who saves, not man. I also rest assured in the truth that Proverbs 22.6, as even though I can't give my child salvation, I know that God indeed will work through me by means of the Holy Spirit to minister to my child and teach my child up in the way. 
wrapping up, I would like to speak directly at the young adults in the room who are either in their later ends of high school and are about to leave their child's home or have recently left. Do not have a false sense of assurance about your salvation like I did. Do not think you are saved simply on the basis that you were raised Christian. Being simply raised Christian on its own will not save you. You need to have a deep personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You need to have a deep personal understanding of what salvation is and understand your state of sin and why you need God's salvation. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So please, young adults, about to be on your own or already on your own, have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Trust in Jesus Christ for your salvation. Repent of your sins and believe in the gospel. Remember Proverbs 22.6 and don't depart from your Christian parents' teaching. To close, I'm getting baptized this morning, the Sabbath day, to publicly express my profession of faith in Jesus Christ. God has set this ordinance of baptism in place for believers, and I want to obey God in this ordinance. Baptism is something I should have done quite some time ago, soon after I received that loving call back to the faith from pastor. I know many before me that have gotten baptized these past couple years have expressed how they wish they would have obeyed God sooner on this ordinance, and I'm going to sound like a broken record. But if you are a true believer and you haven't been baptized, the time is now. Don't wait. Don't wait to make yourself perfect first, as that will never happen here on earth. We trust in Jesus Christ for our salvation and our sanctification. Thank you. Cody, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the eternal Son of God come in the flesh? I do. And do you believe that Jesus lived a perfect life, that he died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins? I do. And have you turned from your sins and trusted in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation? I have. Cody, then on your profession of faith, I hereby baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ is the Son of God to come in the flesh? Yes. Do you believe that Jesus lived a perfect life and died on the cross in full payment for your sins? Yes. It's all right to be nervous. <laughs> and have you turned away from your sins and trusted in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation? Yes. Courtney? <clears throat> oh, not yet. Oh, not yet. It's not yet. <laughs> <laughs> On your profession of faith, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son.